0: So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at StellarTeacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, StellarTeacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 80 of the Stellar Teacher podcast. Hey, friend, we have one of my favorite guests back on the podcast, and y'all are in for a real treat. Today, I am chatting with my dear friend, Dr. Lori Friesen from Beginning Teacher Talk. Now, if you are a longtime listener of my podcast, then you have heard from Lori back on episode number 36, where she talked about four classroom management mistakes that new teachers make and how to prevent them. And then she also came back on episode number 56, where she talked about how to build more white space into your schedule. If you haven't heard those episodes, you definitely want to go back and give them a listen. And today she is back with some more amazing classroom management tips. She is going to be sharing seven of her favorite classroom management hacks. And y'all, they are truly hacks. Quick, easy, and something you can start implementing today. Now, as someone who had pretty decent classroom management skills when I left the classroom, I can say that these hacks are pretty awesome. In fact, I kind of wish that I had access to some of them when I was still teaching. So I really think that you're going to love hearing from Dr. Lori today. And if you are just meeting Dr. Lori for the first time, let me give you a little bit of a heads up. She has a free masterclass coming up on May 17th and May 19th. It's called Four Secrets to Success in Your First Year of Teaching. Now, even if you are in your second, third, fourth, or even seventh year of teaching, this training might be something that you want to check out. She is going to be sharing the steps you need to take this summer to set yourself up for a successful school year. So if you're looking to revamp and streamline your classroom management systems, then you might want to check out her free training. We will link to it in the show notes if it's something you want to check out. And for now, let's jump into the interview. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing.
1: Hi Lori, I'm so excited to have you back on the podcast today. Hey Sarah, I love being on your podcast. I adore you. So this is so much fun for me.
0: (laughs) Okay, so for those of you who have been listening to the Stellar Teacher Podcast for a while, Lori has been a guest before and she also shared a guest episode back in December. But if you are a new listener, Lori, why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself to my audience?
1: Sure. I am an experienced teacher. I taught for about 10 years in Canada, overseas, and in Japan, Hong Kong, all around the world. I love teaching new teachers. I taught at the University of Lethbridge, and it's just such an honor for me to be serving new teachers now as the founder of the Ready for School Academy. And I also have a podcast. Sarah's been a guest on my podcast as well, the Beginning Teacher Talk podcast. And I am really thrilled to be having her on the podcast as well as a guest. So, so happy to be here with you today. Yeah. So Lori and I got to know each other
0: last summer when we were doing like a podcast swap. And when I discovered that she has this academy and podcast, and really her mission is just to support beginning teachers, I was like, where were you my first couple of years of teaching? (laughs) Because, you know, most teachers struggle with something, but I struggled with classroom management like in a major way my first couple of years. Like I have very vivid memories of my first year of teaching in the middle of what was trying to be small group centers and like a student throwing a chair across the room. And I'm like, (laughs) what, what, how do I stop this? Like, I, you know, and I just felt like helpless. And I had some wonderful, amazing mentor teachers, but I had a teacher who was right next door to me and we like had a door. And I mean, I was opening her door all the time and being like, can you please come help? I can't get my kids to be quiet. I can't get them to line up. I can't get them to do their work. I can't get them to turn in their work. Like I just felt
1: lost. And so I, I love that this is your mission. Well, and isn't it funny? Do you remember, I remember this so vividly one time I was watching another teacher teach and she'd been teaching for like 20 years and you'd go into her classroom and she'd ask them to do something and they'd be like peacefully, happily doing it, like no problems. And I ask my students to do the same thing. And it'd be like, ah, like mass chaos in my classroom. Absolutely.
0: You know, and I'm just like, what, like, how do I get to that point? You know, I remember like One of the times I realized I was like, oh, I need to break this down. You know, I'm calling my students to come down to the carpet and it's like, come down to the carpet. And then students are like rolling and running and like pushing desks. And I'm like, wait a minute, like that didn't go how I envisioned. So Lori is really an expert in all things, new teachers, but especially classroom management. And she has seven classroom management hacks that she wants to share with you today. But before we get in there, I'm just, I'm curious, like, how did you you know, like, I mean, every teacher obviously has their journey, but how did you go from like, sort of like that beginning classroom teacher who maybe struggled with classroom management to now having like all of these hacks that work
1: and almost like an expert in classroom management? What did that journey look like for you? It's such a good question because just like you, I struggled the most with classroom management. And so I was doing my master's. I don't recommend this, but in my, I think it was my second year of teaching. I started my master's and I remember thinking, what am I going to focus this on? Well, my main question became Beginning teachers, what's the problem here? Because I needed to solve this problem for myself. I needed to understand how am I so capable in so many other areas of my life? And yet, when it comes to classroom management in my own classroom, I'm a hot mess. And so I made it my mission. I interviewed so many experienced teachers. I, like you said, peeking into their classrooms, I eavesdropped. I spent as much time as I could in other teachers' classrooms. I asked them all of the questions that, as new teachers, we want to ask, and I eventually published the beginning teacher's handbook for elementary school out of my master's. And it just became such a passion project for me because I had figured it out. And now all I wanted to do was share it with other teachers. When I went on to do my PhD, I kind of left working with new teachers and did a literacy program. And I went back to classrooms to help implement my literacy program. And again, saw so many new teachers struggling that it just tugged at my heart. I'm like, I have to come back to this. I have to come back to this. So I I spent the next year creating the Ready for School Academy, got a first group. I think my first group was like 24 teachers, and they taught me what they really needed. And since then, this is a third year launching the program. It's it's completely revamped. It's completely, I mean, every year teachers tell me what they need. And I love hearing from them because I really get, these are the things that they're struggling with. So when I came up with these hacks, I started sharing these hacks just because I thought, well, everyone knows this, Right. They don't know this because it's all those things that you put in your teacher toolbox so that you gather over the years when you're peeking into other teachers' classrooms or when you see there's no substitute for experience. So these hacks really came out of spending so much time in master teachers' classrooms. None of this, I don't know if any of these are my own idea. I can't even remember anymore. You know what I mean? Like it's just all things that I've picked up over the years or tweaked or evolved. And I love it because teachers usually say, Ooh, I heard that hack on your podcast and I'm using it this way. I'm like, oh, that's so smart. Why didn't I think of that? Yes. It's fun how they evolve and you can just adapt them and make them your own.
0: I love that. And yes, I feel like I learned the most when I spent time in other people's classrooms. And then it's like, you could kind of see it's like, oh, I'm doing it this way. And that's why it's not working. Or it's like, oh, I'm doing the same thing and it is working. So like, let's keep doing that. I know that beginning teachers are going to benefit from this, but like, even if you are a veteran teacher, I found that like the more sort of like tools and strategies I had in my toolbox, the less problems we would have. And so I think like, even if you've been teaching for so many years, you are going to get so much benefit out of having some new, fresh ideas to keep your students engaged and on task. So let's jump right in. I mean, I think one of the first things I would love to have, kind of like hear your hack for is just like keeping students focus and attention on the lesson. You know, I can think of times where I was teaching and I would look out and just see like the blank stares and I'm like, <laughs> are they even listening to what I'm saying? So like, if you are getting the blank stares from your students, what is something that you could do to keep them focused on the lesson?
1: I can so relate to that. And actually this hack I want to share with you, the reason I love it is cuz it's so easy to implement. I don't know if you've heard of it before, but it's called the magic word. So basically, you just Choose a magic word. It can be anything. You write it down on the board first thing in the morning and you announce it to the class. So you write it down and you show them where it is. It can be anything like superstar or unicorn or popcorn or magnificent. It's gotta be something that wouldn't typically be used in the school day. So you can get really creative with it. And then whenever you're giving directions or you announce something important or even in the middle of your lesson, like whenever you just really wanna check that your students are listening, you throw in the magic word. It doesn't even have to make sense in the sentence. And the first student to raise their hand Gets something like a dojo point. I've heard teachers throwing Hershey's kisses out to their students. I don't know if I would do that. Yeah. I <laughs> could cause some other problems, maybe. Yeah, right. They'll all have all sorts of sugar and bells. Yeah. <laughs> the first person to raise their hand gets some kind of a little reward, whatever it is in your classroom that you're using. Kids absolutely love it, or even just a thumbs up or a, yeah, like go you or a silent cheer. It's a great way to keep your kiddos. Attention during your lessons. and whenever you need to know, like are they actually paying attention? Just throw it in and see what happens. I love that. And
0: I mean, I think that that's obviously so simple. and especially it's not something that you have to use that often. That magic word could come out at the end of the day, but if the students are listening for it, <laughs> All right. I always love things like that because I feel like the student who then picks up on it that almost builds like a little like special magic rapport connection with the students like, oh yeah, you got that. You were yeah. listening, like, good job. So yeah, magic word. I've never heard that one before. I love that. Yeah, that's great. Okay. What about a great hack for making sure that kids actually hear when you give a page number? I mean, I can, it's like, you would think it's like, okay, if I tell students like turn to this page or whatever, like, you know, read these pages, but golly, the number of times students would interrupt a small group lesson or like come up to me or just like sit at their desk and be like, I don't know what page we're on. Like, how can we make
1: sure that they are where they're supposed to be? And they've literally been sitting there for like five or 10 minutes. And yeah. the reason they're not working is because they're like, I don't know a page. Okay. Yeah. I Always had a handful of them, no matter what I did. It's like I I stood upside down on my head and I still they still didn't get it. So here's the hack. It's so simple. Of course, don't just say the page number, but write it on a designated space on the whiteboard with a marker that has a little bell attached to it. Oh, right. Yep. That way, your students might not hear you say the actual page number because let's face it, we all have a handful of students who never know where anything is, right? And like, especially silly details, like where is my work supposed to be? But when they don't know the page number or when they don't know where they need to go because they weren't paying attention, they know where to look on the whiteboard to find it. But that bell is just that extra attention grabber for kiddos to know, Hey, I need to pay attention to this. Right. So simple, so smart. And such a little thing that makes all the difference in your classroom.
0: Yes. Well, and I think it's sort of like that bell can like slightly just disrupt whatever is happening and like bring them back. And I think it also, I mean, I'm thinking of like Pavlov's, the whole like the dog, the food. I mean, that's what that made me think of it. It's like you're training them to respond in a certain way every time they hear that bell. But I mean, I feel like that could work for more than just like page numbers, like any independent practice assignment, you know, or any sort of like specific set of direction, you know, whatever it is. That's so smart. And I've never heard of that one
1: before. And the thing you can use that as well is something I used in my classroom called a director of directions. So You still have the bell, you have it written on there, but the backup is the class job in your room is someone who's director of directions. And so their job is to literally tell students who don't know what page is supposed to be on, what page they're on. That's their job. So some students might not be able to do as well at this as others. So if you have a volunteer who likes, you know, you have those students who like to be in everybody's business and like to tell everybody what they're supposed to be doing anyway, that can be their job. They can be rewarded for that. Like that's a really positive thing. So just a backup. I love that.
0: That's great. Okay. So both of these things, I feel like help the whole, like being focused and like paying attention, but what about like how to increase their participation? Because it's like, we want students obviously to be engaged, but like part of learning is being an active participant. So how can we help increase participation during a lesson without having mass chaos (laughs) breakout?
1: I feel like there are always those students that respond all the time, right? But then there are the ones who hang back. They're really shy and they don't really want to participate. So when you ask a question, you probably wouldn't ask something this simple in upper elementary, but three plus four, for example, just something simple. All of your students know they can possibly get called on, right? So you first call on three or four students that have their hands up, and then you call on some others, but here's the hack. You don't tell anybody if the answer is right or wrong when they answer. It's just more like rapid fire kind of question and answer. So after the first few times of doing this, at the beginning of the school year, your class is going to know. They can participate. They can answer questions, even if their answer is wrong, because you're not going to point out that their answer is wrong. You're just going to smile and immediately go on to the next student for their answer. So once you've called on six or seven students, then you can tell the class, good job by doing a chant and then go over the correct answer, like give them a thumbs up or a pat on the back. But you're rewarding their participation and their willingness to take the risk of sharing their answer, not the correct answer, which I absolutely love. So it let's them take those risks. I love that
0: and I saw this a lot in upper elementary especially like with the pressure of testing I had some students that were just almost like paralyzed with fear to get the wrong answer and you know, if I would ask them a question, it's like, I don't know, you know? And so I love this idea of just building the expectation is not that you have the right answer. The expectation is that you participate, you know? So it's just like, yeah, here's, here's the question. Like everybody share their answer and let's like validate that. And then go over that. I'm going to add on to that one. And your hack kind of made me think of this. One of the things that I would do in upper elementary is if a student is sort of reluctant and is like, I don't know the answer. Like I refuse. I would sort of prompt them and say, well, if you did know, what might you say? Or if you were someone who did know, what could you say? And I think it's all about, and that's exactly what your little hack does. is just like, how can we reframe the expectation of participation? So that way it's less about the right answer and more about like getting students to participate and share their thinking, whether it's right or wrong.
1: Yes. And you make such a good point about testing and how it's kind of impacted students negatively about participating. So I love that you brought that up as well.
0: Hey teachers, I'm interrupting this episode with a very special invitation just for you. My friend, Dr. Lori Friesen from Beginning Teacher Talk is hosting a free masterclass, Four Secrets to Success in Your First Year of Teaching. Now, even if you aren't a first year teacher, you might want to consider signing up for this free training. Dr. Lori is an expert on things like classroom management, teacher systems, and engagement routines. And during this masterclass, she will be sharing a step-by-step plan that will walk you through exactly what you need to focus on this summer to truly feel ready for next school year. So if you are looking for ways to intentionally use your summer months to set yourself up for success this next year, you're definitely going to want to check out her free masterclass. Go to com forward slash masterclass to save your seat. And I'll be sure to link to that in our show notes. Okay. So as we're sort of like going through and I'm thinking like, you know, students are now participating in the lesson. So like when they're working independently or if they're doing group work or like if you're in the middle of like small group instruction and you need to get
1: their attention quickly, like what's a great hack for that? Well, I know on the internet, you see so many great attention getters, like quick call and response attention getters. But one of my favorites in my classroom that I love to use, and this one works from kindergarten to sixth grade or whatever grade you're teaching, is to count down from five to zero noise. So I go, all right, ladies and gentlemen, in five, in four, and they knew that by the time I got down to zero, their hand had to be up and their eyes had to be on me. And I wanted their hand up because then that way, whatever they were doing, they weren't still working on. They knew that they needed to stop what they were working on and put their hand up. And they knew they needed to have their eyes on me. The other thing I loved about it was I could also control the amount of time that they needed. So if I started at five or at 10, I mean, if they're doing a massive project and it's going to take them some time to get cleaned up, they know that by the time we get to zero noise, everything needs to be cleaned up. Their eyes are on me and they're fully at attention. So I would do things like in ten, in nine, in eight, in seven, and they're like, "Wow!" <laughs> Freaking <laughs> out. But then we'd go down in four and a half, four and a quarter. Oh, I don't know if we're gonna make it. Four and three, and then I get really quiet. And two. Oh, one and a half, one. One. I see your boys and girls. Zero noise. Now, I don't know if we are using boys and girls as much anymore, but in my classroom, they loved ladies and gentlemen and boys and girls. So it was just a really fun and easy way. And the other one that I love to use in my classroom was if my whole class was doing something and I needed their attention quickly, I'd say, oh, smile if you can hear me. and I'd say it in a quiet voice to the group just around me and they'd start just smiling. And then I'd the rest of the class would start looking, kind of looking over at me and go, wait, what's she, what's she doing? What's going on? Smile if you can hear me. And they're just, you'd have this whole sea of students just beaming and smiling back at you. So much fun and so easy. Right. I love those. And I
0: actually used the, the counting down one and you're right. Like it works for so many reasons, but because you can control the pacing of it, you can control yes. like the numbers. You know, I was a fourth grade teacher for the most part. And once we got into like decimals and fractions, my students would be like, now you can go like, you know, three three and nine-tenths, three and eight-tenths, three and seven-tenths, you know, working your way all the way backwards. So I think, you know, you can extend it for as long as you need. And, you know, I would mess up the fractions all the time. They're like, you're doing it out of order. But yeah, that one was great because it's like, okay, you know, I always think about like with classroom management is it's like I want my students to be successful with whatever expectation I'm giving And I feel like something like that, where it's like, we're transitioning and I'm counting down. Like we don't want our students to get in trouble. So like you can extend the pacing of your countdown to where every student is finished when you get to zero, and then you can celebrate like, great job. We all got there, you know, barely, but we got there. And I think anytime you can celebrate,
1: it reinforces what you want them to keep doing. And two things that you just said about that, like you were administrator as well. And I remember when I was in charge of an assembly, when I was doing my literacy program, I had a whole school of students who didn't know me. And I used the countdown from 10 to zero noise for 300 students. They're all working at tables and they knew, but here's the key. And you know, this is that I needed to teach them in advance what they needed to look like and what things needed to sound like by the time I got down to zero. So eyes on me, everything's put away. It's all cleaned up and we're not talking. And as long as you teach them that and practice it in advance, when they're all sitting in front of you, that when they, you send them out and they come back again they know what to do and they can be successful. And that's, I think, one of the keys that we sometimes forget. They need to be taught in advance. Oh, and I I mean, I know you talk about this a ton in your new teacher
0: academy, just like the setting up the expectations. But I think that because I use that countdown to zero a lot, but that was quite possibly the very first thing we taught on the first day of school. It's like, great, I'm your teacher. Now let me show you how I'm going to get your attention. Yes. I would teach it. We would model it. We would practice. We'd practice the right way. We'd practice the wrong way. So that way it's like I knew whatever we were doing in the middle of the day, I had the ability to get in control if I needed it. Now of course I didn't learn to do that until like year 5 or 6. So I spent many years being out of control, but yeah, I think it's just like knowing
1: that it's like we can't just tell them like we actually have to practice these routines and these hacks with them. Well, and what's amazing about what you just said is when I set up the Ready for School Academy and I first created this I remember I could not believe it when I actually counted them. I have 27 routines and procedures in my classroom that are essential. That's amazing. I teach my students how to teach them, but we don't. Yes. Were you taught that at university? I wasn't taught that. No. I didn't know how to
0: do any of that. I remember my first year of teaching, I had to submit a classroom management plan to my principal. And I was like, what is this? And I started teaching before the days of Pinterest and teacher blogs. And so I'm just like, I did. I just, I had some other first year teacher friends and I was like, Hey, are you having to do this at your school? What are you including? Like, what could this look like? But I just remember being like a classroom management plan. I don't, I don't know. And then that almost made me nervous. Cause I was like, wait a minute, I don't have a plan for this. And I'm supposed to like, <laughs> am I as prepared as I thought I was? So you're the academy really helps first year teachers because yeah, it's like classroom management is essential and you don't always learn that in university. Sometimes you do, but not always. Yeah. Okay. So one of the things that always, and I I know you have a hack for this and I needed this when I was in the classroom, but I was always (laughs) shocked at the end of the day at how messy my classroom got. Like we would look out on the floor and I'd be like, how is there paper and glue sticks and pencils? And just like, literally it looked, I mean, it was a mess and I would try to have students clean it up, but not always. And a lot of times the end of the day was me spent, you know, picking up the floor and putting things away. So our poor custodians didn't have to do it for us, but like the whole like messy cutting projects and, you know, paper and scissors and all of this stuff, whatever involves, you know, when there's parts involved, like you have to clean it up. So do you have a hack to help with cleanup when you're doing a project in the classroom?
1: Yeah. I actually stole this one from a woman by the name of Marjorie Andrews. She ran the craft club for our entire school. Sounds intimidating, (laughs) right? I learned so much from her by doing a craft club. So it was at lunch hour kids K through six were in there. And she had something called the One Scrap Club. Brilliant. So basically all you do, well, what she did was you teach your students how to cut around something like whatever project you're doing, like a poem or a poetry journal or anything that can be cut around one time in one piece. And so, of course, it saves the floor and the tables from all those tiny little pieces that, oh my gosh, they're not fun to clean up. And it's interesting because kids really need to think about the cutting path. We don't think about the best way to cut something around until we have to. It doesn't come naturally for a lot of students, especially in lower elementary, but as soon as they've cut what they need, they say the words, hey, one scrap club, and they put that one scrap in the recycling bin. And Then you can start a tally chart by the one scrap club, like by the recycling bin, that basically once you submit something to the one scrap club or once you put your scrap in, when your class gets 200 points or whatever it is, they get some kind of a reward. Maybe it's even a trip to the Recycling Depot. Who knows? It could be content related, but it's just a little incentive to help kids stay involved in wanting to be members of the One Strap Club. And when I implemented this, I could not believe how proud they were. Like fourth grade, it was kind of funny because you think, really, would they even care about this? They care. They want to show off, hey, One Scrap Club.
0: <laughs> it's amazing the things that like fourth graders care about, you know, it's like, because I moved from second grade to fourth grade, really. And I was like, oh, all that stuff I did in lower elementary, it's not going to work. It absolutely works. Like all of those little tricks. I mean, any of the sing-songy things, it works in fourth grade and in fifth grade. Yeah, it works. I love this. And I feel like I had some students who intentionally or unintentionally would like, let me create as many small pieces of paper (laughs) as I possibly can anytime we're doing like a project or cutting. But like my students were also, you know, motivated by external, you know, rewards or whatever. So I just love this idea. And I like how you said it, like students legitimately have to think about, you know, so I think if you pose it from a like, hey, I'm going to challenge you, can you actually cut all of this out in just one piece? Like, is that even a possibility? I don't know if you can. I don't know. Show me. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) we did. We did a lot of that in my classroom. I don't think so. You show me if you can do this. I, yeah, I'm doubtful. So yeah, I love that. The one scrap club. And again, I feel like you could think about that from like so many there's just ways you could take that same idea and apply it to a variety of things. So that is fantastic. Okay. I know that this is a pet peeve that so many teachers have had. And not even kidding you, this was a problem that I had even in my last year of teaching. And that is getting students to put their name on the paper. And towards the end, I was, I don't want to be like, I was ruthless, but like, if I set an expectation I know. and they knew, I was like, I'm not, you know, there's no wiggle room here. You're not so messing I,
1: with me here. Oh. This is cool. <laughs>
0: But I had students then who it's like, they turned in their work, but their name was not on it. So like, I would not grade it. And they'd either have to redo it or figure out a way to make it up or something. But how can we get to the point where we don't even have to like, look through and be like, okay, I've got five kids that don't have a name on the paper. Like, okay. How do we prevent that? I needed a hack for that.
1: (laughs) This one drove me crazy because it's so simple. When you hear it, you're like, no, it cannot be that easy. It literally can, but it is that easy. It was that easy once I tried it. You literally add a class job to your job board of name stamper. So here's what happens. You pass out the papers and the name stamper gets to stand at the front of the class with a stamp. It could be a star. It could be a, I don't care what it is. And I love to use glitter stamp pads because my kids liked them. They'd stand at the front of the class with it. And I'd say, go. And the name stamper would walk up and down the rows. And if they got to you by the time you'd written your, your name on the paper, then you got a stamp. But if you hadn't written your name down, you never got a stamp. It's so simple. Yeah. Kids really care. They're like, look, I got a gold star. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. I'm like, (laughs) as as you're saying that, I'm like, yeah, I can see that working. Uh Uh-huh. Yeah. So simple. And of course, it's a different stamp every time. So like if it's Easter, you're doing something different. If it's spring, you're doing something different. So would they get like the stamp on their hand? Would they have like a little like passport book? Would it be on their desk? I did it both ways. I took one year they had sticker books and so they wanted their stamp in their sticker books. And that was in second grade. But then other classes, I'm like, I need to see that it's on your paper. And so if it was something important, I had them put it right on the paper, right by their name. But sometimes, I mean, if it was a fun spring stamp, for example, they'd put it on their hand and then they could go by the window and watch it glitter. Like they loved that.
0: And I mean, I can see my kids almost to the point of like rushing through this, like at right. a fast speed. Because if you're the name stamper, it's like, Hey, I want to try to get someone before they get their name on the paper. Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so there's <laughs> like incentive to, you know, write your name down before the name stamper passes you by. So yeah, that's so easy. So easy. I know. I love that. Okay. The best ideas are for sure. They are for sure. they. Are. Okay. This is the last, the last hack, but maybe the most important. How do we get our students to walk quietly in the hallway? I know it's like I, you know, 27 kids, 28 kids. And I'm like, I can't be at the front of the line and at the back of the line at the same yep. time. So like they have to do it on their own. How do
1: we get them to be quiet when we're transitioning? Well, I don't know if you're like me, but I used to be embarrassed to take my kids out of the classroom. Absolutely. Like I would be like, no, my class is just extra spirited. Like I don't know. They're just free spirits. I'm like, no, actually I just had no idea what I was doing. So I experimented with lots of different things, but this this one idea I think was the best one that I ever used. So basically, when students are lined up and they're ready to leave the classroom, all you do is say the words, game on. Now, you can use boys versus girls, or if you want to keep things gender neutral, you could do team one and team two, but then they have to be lined up next to each other. And if someone talks, the other team gets a point. So you just keep a running total on a mini whiteboard. You take your whiteboard out, team one, team two, game on. And kids love it. It doesn't matter what great it is, right? They want to beat the other team. At the yes. end of the week, the team with the most points gets a treat or a homework pass or gets to line up first for home time, whatever it's going to be. Or you can play teacher versus the students. So same idea, whiteboard, teacher versus students. The students talk, you know, then you get a point and vice versa. If they're quiet, then they get a point. So really simple, right? All these ideas, so simple.
0: I mean, I love that because when you start teaching that to your students and you like practice it. That eliminates any sort of like, okay, we're going to line up. You need to be quiet in the hallway right. because all you say is game on. And they know that expectation. I feel like I did something once or twice with my students where it was the whole like teacher versus students. And of yeah. course, like, then I see the principal and I'm having a conversation with their principal and all my students are standing there quietly, like looking at me and being like, look, you're talking and you're I'm like, this, yeah. <laughs> you
1: know, <laughs> you're not allowed to visit with anyone in the hall. <laughs> yeah, uh-huh.
0: So I'm like, well, you know, they have a point. Like if they're supposed to be quiet, I probably should be too. But yeah, I I love that because it's, you can communicate so much. And once you teach it to your students and just like two words, plus it's a little bit more fun than like reviewing the expectations. And it's like, okay, stand quietly, hands at your side, facing forward. It's just like, no, game on. We're going to do this. Yep. You know what to do. These are fantastic. Okay. I love these management hacks. And like I said, whether you're a first-year teacher or an experienced teacher who just needs to switch things up, especially as we get ready to enter the last like month of school, you know, take some of these, teach them to your students. I also think if you, you know, struggled with classroom management this year, now is a good time to actually practice some of these to see if they work with yes. your teaching style. So that way you're ready next year in the fall when it's like time to get started. It's like, oh yeah, I know how to get my students to line up. We practiced game on like crazy last year and we've yep. this. Thank you so much for being willing to share these hacks with my teachers. I know they're going to definitely benefit from them. And I also know you have a really exciting masterclass coming up. Would you mind sharing some of the
1: details with my audience in case they want to join you? Oh, absolutely. I am so excited about this. So I'd love to invite your listeners to my free masterclass. It's called Four Secrets to Success in Your First Years of Teaching. And by the end of that masterclass, you're going to have a step-by-step plan for what to do this summer to ensure you're truly ready for the school year. So whether you're a student teacher who's just about to graduate and you need to get ready for your first classroom, or like Sarah and I have been talking about through this whole podcast, if you've been teaching for a year or five years, some of my academy members are have been teaching for five years, they come to this masterclass and they go, holy cow, how could it have been so simple? Like, why didn't I know this? So I have lots of goodies and bonuses for you just for showing up live, as well as a one-hour PD certificate. And when you register, you'll also be invited into my time-limited pop-up Facebook group. It's going to be so much fun. And it's an exclusive Facebook group just for my Masterclass members. We're going to be giving away some amazing daily prizes, including a MacBook Air computer. Okay. Hello. I want to, can I join? I mean, yes, (laughs) (laughs) you can join Sarah. You're always welcome. (laughs) Love it. All you need to do to get invited is to sign up for my free masterclass at drloryfriesen.com forward slash masterclass. That is awesome.
0: And we will link to that in the show notes for sure. And like I said, even if you have been teaching for a couple of years, if you just want more support with like starting the year feeling competent, feeling prepared, feeling like you have a classroom management plan, then this would be a great class for you to attend. So we will add that in our show notes. And What are other ways that my audience can get in touch with you and follow
1: along on the internet? How can they find you? Well, as you already know, Sarah's mentioned, I have a beginning teacher talk podcast, which is anywhere that you listen to podcasts, it's going to be on all of those platforms but also I'm available at Beginning Teacher Talk on Facebook. We have a great Beginning Teacher Talk private Facebook group that I'd love for you to be part of. It's a thriving group of amazing teachers. And I'm on Instagram at Beginning Teacher Talk as well. So hope to connect with you in any space.
0: Lori, I just love any time that we can connect on a podcast and chat. All things teaching. Such a fun conversation. And again, thank you so much for sharing these great hacks with my audience today.
1: Thank you so much for having me, Sarah, as always.